0: Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us. I'm Greg DeVries, pastor at the Wells Scottsboro, and I'm grateful that you've decided to listen to this podcast. I hope that this word uplifts you and encourages you wherever you are. Stay with me for a few moments after the sermon. I would like to pray with you. I trust you'll be blessed by the word of God.
1: Thank you. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. And can we just take a moment and give glory and honor to our Father God in heaven for allowing us the opportunity to be here. Um, Yeah, y'all go ahead, give it up, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Because without him and without his son, Jesus Christ, none of us would be here today, I'm sure. I also want to give honor to our pastors, Pastors Greg and Gretchen. They are in Virginia uh, preaching at a tent meeting. And they say hello, they give you greetings and welcome, and um, they'll be back with you shortly. Look forward to be with you, but we know our pastor is called to many, many places. There's a lot of churches that don't have a preacher who speaks truth. The one he's going to, I, I believe, does, but there's so many people that come into a revival that actually never heard the truth before. And I just want to thank God for our pastors who preach the truth, and they're not ashamed to stand for what's right. And then, of course, I would like to thank my wife, Jess, if you guys don't know her. Um, She's, of course, the intercessor behind my life, and when I'm out on the streets doing evangelism, I'm sure she's face down praying uh, for everything going on in the world (laughs) and all the situations that... Sometimes we get in because it's not an easy world that we live in, and it don't take really much to, to see that or to recognize that in the world, but I'm going to be in Jude tonight. He's one of these people that didn't really have a lot to say, but he said a lot. <laughs> he was very, very powerful, and I think that's why they put him at the end, right before Revelation, um, because if he was anywhere else, we might not could handle it. Dear Lord, I thank you for your word tonight. I thank you for truth. I thank you for revival. I thank you for restoration. I thank you for the worship. I thank you for calling us out of the dark pits that we were once in. I thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for us. And dear Lord, I pray tonight and ask that your word come forth with power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit. And dear Lord, I pray over any dark or dimly lit areas in our hearts that may not yet be exposed. I pray they're exposed tonight. And dear Lord, I pray Your light into those areas in Jesus' name. I don't want to preach at you tonight, and if I come across as that, I'm sorry. That's not that's not in my intention. I want to preach into you, but as well as I want to preach into myself, because this word has been with me for a couple of days now. And it's just been heavy on my heart. And I feel like, oh, I got to get it off. I got to get it off. Where's this word going to go? And then Pastor Greg was like, hey, you want to preach? I'm like, yep. (laughs) I was like, absolutely. Because I I knew that there was something that had to come forth. And I've been praying over this word and seeking the Lord all day over this word. I think it's some areas that we should just be guarded in, we should be aware of. And if you find yourself in any of these areas of what I'm preaching into if you find yourself on the other side of the fence, so to speak. Then I pray tonight that you will be exposed, and I hope that there will be restoration. I hope that you will be restored, and I hope that you walk out of here with a new power and sensing that the Holy Spirit is working with you and not against you. Amen? Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called sanctified by God the Father and, and preserved in Jesus Christ. Mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain men have crept in unnoticed, uh uh-oh, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turned the grace of our God into lewdness and denied the only Lord God our Lord Jesus Christ. But I want to remind you, though you once knew this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode, he has reserved in everlasting change under darkness for the judgment of the great day. As Sodom and Gomorrah, and the cities around them in a similar manner, to these have given themselves over to the sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh... Does that not sound like America today? Are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise also these these dreamers defile the flesh, reject authority, and speak evil of dignitaries. Yet Michael the archangel, in contending with the devil, when he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring accusation against him, a reviling accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke you. But these speak evil of whatever they do not know. How many of y'all know that some people speak evil of some stuff that they don't know anything about? And whatever they know naturally, like brute beasts, in these things they corrupt themselves. So they speak evil about what they don't know, but what they do know they corrupt themselves. That sounds like a situation to be in, doesn't it? Woe to them, for they have gone in the way of Cain, have run greedily in the air of Balaam for profit. And perished in the rebellion of Korah. These are spots in your love feast. While they feast with you, does that mean they're among us? While they feast with you, without fear, serving only themselves. They're not here for you. They're here for themselves. Serving only themselves, they are clouds without water carried about by the winds, late autumn trees without fruit, twice dead, pulled up by the roots, raging waves of the sea, foaming up their own shame, wandering stars for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men also saying, Behold, behold the Lord comes with 10,000 of his saints. The Lord is on a mission. To execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have committed in an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are grumblers. Now we're finding out who they are. These are grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lust, and they mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. But you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostle of our Lord Jesus Christ how they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lust. And I'm going to pause right there for a moment. Because the title of my message tonight is Contending Earnestly for the Faith. And to contend, it means to struggle or to overcome. And how many of you know once you get saved, it seems like sometimes the struggle is just greater than it was before you were saved? You know why? Because you could walk around and do whatever. You could be one of these men that Jude's even talking about, and it didn't matter. There was no struggle. You just do whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want to do it. Who cares about consequences if you don't have a foundation of truth to go by? Just do what you want. Just do what you want. And our faith, I believe, today is under attack. I I don't just believe it. I know it. Everywhere you go, everywhere you turn, your faith is being attacked Anything that has to do with the Bible, and of course, Jesus warned us about these days. But if you claim to be a Christian, you are under attack. If you name the name of Jesus Christ, you're under attack. You'll be ridiculed, you'll be persecuted, you'll be put down, you'll be cursed at, you could be spit on, you could be run over by a truck. Because that's happened to me before. I didn't get run over, but I got hit. Did I ever tell you that? Oh. (laughs) Anyway. But if the enemy, if he can get to our faith, he can get to us. Why? Because our faith is what we stand on. Our faith is what connects us to this, uh, to the God that we know and to Jesus Christ. It's by faith. And if he can get to that faith, if he can destroy it, we all have faith in something. And without Christ, and if the enemy can come in and pervert our faith, if he can get our attention off of where our faith needs to be on God, then we can put our faith in money. We can put it in our 401k plan. We can put it in a family. We can put it in a celebrity. We can put it in TV. We can put it in radio. We can put it in music. We can put it in sports. We can put it in gambling. We can put it wherever we want to put it. See, our faith don't have to be on Satan. It just doesn't have to be on God. So he doesn't really care where it goes. Because in the end, he's going to get you if your faith is not in Christ. And do you know that the Bible says sin lies at the door. And its desire is what? For you. Sin has a desire for you. It wants you. It wants to grasp you in any way that it can. And the only way that sin can actually get to you is when your faith is not in God. Because when you have faith in God and you're walking in the spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Your eyes will be open to know that, hey, my faith should not be here. I've got to get it back on God. And, <clears throat> but these certain men, they've crept in unnoticed, and so many people are being deceived by them. And we know they're grumblers, they're complainers, they're all these people. They're, they're in the ministry for themselves. And how did they get here? How did they creep in? Are we not the watchmen on the wall? Are we not watching in the midnight hour? Do we not have discernment? Do we not have visions and dreams? Are we not interceding? Are we not praying? Where did these men come from? How did they get in? Get in where? Get into the church. And I'm not just talking about this church. I'm talking about church at large. But the church at large could also include your household. How did they get in? Where did they come from? Did they slip in while we were watching? Were we asleep? Were we looking the other way? How did these men get in? Where did they come from? And if you have an invader in your home at night, there's probably two things you're going to ask yourself one where are they and two how do i get them out because you want to know where they are because if they're hiding in a closet ready to grab you when you walk by you want to know that right you want to be prepared when you walk into that room and there they are but then you also want to know how am i going to get this guy out and then the third thing you want to ask yourself is how do i keep them from getting back in There's a, um, a social experiment I saw, I, I watched, and these people were going to a music event and they put on a vest, just an orange vest. Is that me? Sorry. They put on an orange vest and they're walking up to the guards of the event in their orange vest and just waved at them and walked through a locked gate. They didn't belong there, but they looked apart. The they knew what to say. They looked comfortable walking into a side door that they didn't belong in. And they were doing it just to see if they could get in. And some of them would even carry tools with them. They'd have a tool bag or a broom, and they would get into the sports event or music event and just walk around with their vest on like they owned the place. They would walk up to people. Can I come down? This, yeah. Hey, sir, I need you to step over here. Come, come over. You're in the wrong seat. I need you to sit right here. There you go. Thank you. They had no authority to do that. But because they had the vest on, they were moving people around. They were telling people, you can't do this, you can't do that. And because the people didn't know the truth about who was and who wasn't supposed to be here, they were subject to anything. And I believe that when you have a lack of truth, anything can creep into your home, it can creep into your life, it can creep into church, because if you don't know what belongs and what doesn't belong, anything can come in because you can't discern what's real, what's of God and what's not. And so when we talk about open doors and we talk about men creeping in, we've got to be prepared for this. We've got to know what belongs. We've got to stay in this word because this word is going to tell us what belongs and what doesn't. It's going to tell us what we allow in and what needs to go. It's going to tell us what needs to be purged and what's the real golden. silver. You, you can move back if you want. <laughs> You see, truth is the foundation. And if we don't have a foundation, we don't have anything to stand on. I was eating lunch one time with um, uh, somebody I knew. I didn't know him very well, but we were in the process of becoming friends. And he knew I went to church, so he wanted to talk church. And he said, you know that scripture, cleanliness is next to godliness? Godliness. And I said, no. I said, where is it? I don't really know the scripture, but I know it's in there. Do you? Is it in there? Or did somebody tell you it was in there? Because if you read from a Bible that I read, you don't find that. In fact, you find the exact opposite that says righteousness, our righteousness, is as filthy rags. So I don't know how cleanliness is next to godliness when the best you can do is still filthy to God. And he argued. And I said, you got a smartphone, look it up. He refused. That was a short lunch meeting. It sounds good, but it's not truth. And there's a lot of things that sound great. You're like, man, I wish that was in the Bible. It's just not there. Someone creeped in and presented a version or a variation of the truth to him that he bought into. I don't know. What, do you clean your room and you think you're godly now? I, I don't know. I don't, I don't And then I meet people all the time that people who used to be in church who said they were filled with the Spirit spoken tongues long ago when they were childs and their dad was pastors and they tell you about all this good stuff that they used to be. And then I talk about their soul, like, where are you now? Well, I believe my good works is going to outweigh the bad, and God's going to have a place for me. Is that in the Bible? Does good works get you into heaven? We just talked about righteousness is filthy rags. Good works don't get you in. And that's what separates us. From every other religion, because every other religion is a works-based faith that you have to work to earn your eternal home or your eternal security or your eternal wherever you're going and whatever that religion believes. Christianity is the only one that bases everything off of grace, and it's by His grace that we are saved. Good works. Somebody preach preach to this guy a variation of the gospel. You know what Paul said about that? Let them be accursed. And in case you didn't read it the first time, he said it again right after that. He said, let them be accursed. You see, truth will set you free, but if the enemy has crept into your camp, your camp is no longer free. You're subject to whatever has taken over your camp. Whether it's your home, whether it's your marriage, whether it's your family, whether it's your circle of friends, whether it's your work, whether uh, it's church, whatever it is, if there's an enemy in there, He's got to go. You're not free as long as you're being held hostage. Even in your own home. You're not free as long as you're being held hostage by your own mind or your own thoughts. Something's in there that needs to go. Something crept in and we got to get rid of it. Amen? And the way you identify the enemy is by the truth of the word of God. You want to hear testimony? I got testimony for you guys. When I first got saved, I didn't really know much about God other than I was scared of him. I just knew somebody told me he could throw me in hell. I knew my life was going in the direction that if I was to die, I would be in hell. And I didn't want to go because it didn't sound good. I don't even like Alabama summer, so why would I spend eternity in hell? And just the idea of heaven just sounded a whole lot better, but the idea of serving a God I was scared of did, did not. And I was at home one night, and I would try to try to gather information anywhere that I could. Not a good idea. I would try to get information about God from anywhere that I could. And this was back in the late 90s, so we didn't really have the Internet, or at least we weren't rich enough to have the Internet. And, and so one night the TV was on. It's probably about midnight, 1 or 2 o'clock. I don't know. The TV's on. And this guy pops up on the TV. Are you living a life of sin? Do you want to be free? Is all these problems going on in your life? You want to be set free from the curse of debt? I had a little bit of debt. Sounded good to me. But then he said, If you sow a seed of $7,000, you can be free. Well, I have $7,000. I'm just going to be broke and cursed, and everything else he said I was going to be. After about 20 minutes, he reduced the number from 7,000 to 700. Same thing. If you want to be free, if you want to be set free, and so I'm thinking to myself, like, why would I pay 7,000 when I could pay 700? to get the same treatment. But if you don't have 700, you can send me 70. I was like, well, you're starting to speak my language, but you know. I still don't have seventy dollars. I barely had a job. Was trying to go back to school, having to pay for everything. And he keeps preaching and he keeps preaching. Just seventy will set you free. We'll even send you a bottle of oil and a napkin that we've prayed over that you can give to other people and they'll be healed. I like $70, that ain't a bad idea. I've seen people use oil before. I knew it worked. I didn't know where you got it from. I guess that's where you get it from. You get it off of a TV. <laughs> and then it came down to seven dollars. I didn't even have a bank back then. I just had cash. I didn't even have a credit card, check, nothing. I just had cash. And I was like, all right, because now I'm feeling guilty because he made me feel guilty. You're going to tell me you can't sell $7 into this ministry and be healed? You don't really care about your loved ones. Yes, I do. I'll show you. I'll mail my check, or I'll mail my cash. So I did. I get a return letter. A couple weeks later, there was no oil in it. Instead, there was a well, like one of those little napkins that you clean your glasses with or your, your screen. It wasn't even a full napkin. I was like, yeah, I got the seven dollar package, all right. But I didn't know much about God then. So some time goes on, about three months. And they sent me another letter. And it says, Jerry, I didn't know anything about Photoshop. But you can put text in that looks like everything is handwritten. I am thinking I'm getting a handwritten letter from this guy. He tells me how disappointed he is that I haven't continued to sow into his ministry. And I'm going to be cursed. Unless I sow a seed of whatever the amount was that time. But you know what he didn't take into account, Monica? Let me talk to you. Is that okay? Can I sit down right here? Guess what? He didn't take into account that for those three months that he was not communicating with me, that I had been in the word. Mm. And I was starting to learn truth. And I was starting to differentiate the difference between the truth and the deception. And I had people in my life that were teaching me, that were allowing me to grow and to ask questions and to grow in the truth. And so when that letter came, I opened it. I I was like, not again. And I dropped it. For probably, I don't know, maybe the next six, seven, eight months, I started getting letters almost weekly. And I would open them up and laugh. Can't believe this guy's still sending me letters. Because what I had discovered was what he was trying to charge me for was already paid for yeah. on the cross. And since I knew that truth, why would I pay him to do something that's supposed to be a free gift? I wasn't deceived anymore. But when troubles began to arise, I would see those open letters on my desk or on my dress or wherever I left them. And I would start thinking, hmm, maybe I am wrong. It's funny how leaving something open, like an open letter or open door, can start to creep back in even after you know you've been set free. So I quit opening the letters. It's like, mm mm, not again. I'm sewing into my local church. The way he presented the gospel and sewing and, and tithing and all this was nothing like what, it was the complete opposite of what we heard tonight. Because it was all about his personal gain and had nothing to do with my spiritual growth. But what changed? was I stayed in the word, I stayed in the truth. And the truth began to separate the lies and the deception from who God really was and what he really had for me. Truth prevents unclean things from coming in, but it also actively removes the unclean that has already entered. And I still try to protect my home from what comes in. There's just some things we don't let in. You show up in my house with the wrong book, and you ain't coming in. just not going to happen. Leave it outside. You show up in my house with a book that doesn't have to do with God or is another variation of the gospel, stay outside. And you can find that in, in 2 John. Let's go to 2 John. We're almost there. 2 John... One, starting with verse 10, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house nor greet him. For he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. You're staying outside. Door's closed. You're not coming in. You're not getting greeted. You're not going to find nothing here. And I believe that while we are in the search for truth, it's important to have our doors closed off to what is not of God because when you allow things to come in that begin to pervert and twist the grace of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's gonna begin to pervert and twist your mind. People ask me a lot, like, how do you minister to certain religions when you're out evangelizing? Same way I would to anybody else, I read the truth. I don't study different books or different religions in order to reach a different uh, religion or a different organization. I'm not going to read another testament of Jesus Christ to minister to these. I'm not going to read the, the Quran to minister to these. And I'm not going to read a playboy to minister to a pimp or a prostitute or a stripper. Are, are you with me? Because you got to draw the line somewhere. And for me, the line is right here. I'm not gonna stretch out to other areas and other sects and try to help the gospel along when the gospel doesn't need any help. It's worked since Jesus Christ died on the cross and it will continue to work. I don't need help. I don't need help from Disney. I don't need help from Harry Potter. I don't need help from Iron Man. I don't need help from all this other stuff going on in the world. What I need help from is the Holy Spirit who sends forth his gospel with power and demonstration. I don't have to look outside of the, the gospel of Jesus Christ in order to preach a better word. This is the better word. And Paul, when speaking to Timothy, he even said, preach the word, be ready in season, out of season. We aren't told to preach foreign doctrines to them to win them. And Jesus even said, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Well, if it's the truth that sets someone free, why would I need a variation of the truth? Why would I need a paraphrase of the truth? Why would I need whatever doctrines you can think of to help preach the truth? I don't. And Peter, when he stood up on the day of Pentecost, he didn't try to argue religions. He preached Jesus Christ and him crucified, and men were cut to the heart. But for some reason today, we think we have to add to the gospel. We think we have to add to the Bible or maybe leave some parts out. Look, truth hurts. Purging is a process, right? Because in order to purge silver, I'm so glad you brought that up, purging silver, you have to heat silver past its boiling point. So that when it boils, all the impurities in it begin to float. And sometimes, and probably every time, that if there's something in your life that needs to come out, there's going to be a little fire set. It's going to burn. It's going to hurt. Because there's things we don't want to let go of that we have to release. And sometimes the only thing that will make us release that is the fire of God. And if the fire of God doesn't heat up, if we're not experiencing this this turmoil, like, oh, Man, I can't let go of these drugs. I can't let go of this anger. I can't let go of this bitterness. You hold, and it will destroy you. It's an open door, and that door will remain open. You know what I heard when someone first preached the gospel to me? Repent. Die to your flesh. Stay away from the stuff that's unclean. But I didn't want to. So you know what they said to me? repent, die to your flesh, stay away from stuff that's unclean. And I heard that message over and over. And somewhere I was like, is that even in the Bible? And then you read the Bible and all of a sudden you realize, oh, it's in there. And in John, when, in Revelation, when John is speaking about the book that he received from the angel, he got the book and it said, eat the book. And, and it said that the book will be sweetness like honey on your lips. But it will make your stomach bitter. And you got eat the word. And there are certain scriptures in here that smell pretty good. They taste pretty good. I have a future for you. I think I busted my lip. <laughs> <I think laughs> There's certain scriptures in here that, man, they taste so great on your, on your lips. They taste great on your mouth. He's got a plan for me to prosper me. I wish above all things that you be in health and and prosper, even as your soul prospers. That sounds great. Jesus Christ down the cross for my sins. That sounds great. But then this word, it begins to get inside of you. And it's like a knife. It's like a sword, like a two-edged sword. And it begins to separate the flesh from the spirit. It begins to separate those things that we've held on to and gets rid of all these impurities that we don't always want to let go of. And it begin, and he says, it was like it made his stomach better. It didn't say the word was better. It said it made his stomach better. I'm sorry, that's just the way it is. When the word of God gets inside of you, your flesh will be better. Your flesh doesn't want it. Because our flesh cannot be saved. It's carnal. And it begins to come in, but it begins to separate the, the flesh away from, from the spirit. But I believe at the same time, it's also doing a good work in there. Because you're getting all this bad stuff out of the way. Because you're getting all this evil, this, uh, this bitterness, this, um, all this other stuff out of the way. Now you're able to grow. Now you're able to put some truth in there. And that truth begins to latch on to your spirit. And it says, whoa, this is amazing. How many of you since you've been born again, you're like, this is amazing. How many of you same, pe- same people, when you first got saved, you're like, this is terrible? <laughs> we uh, were on the streets one day in Nashville, and it's amazing to me like how much or how many Christians that I meet don't know truth. We was in Nashville just recently, and I was talking to a young man a couple weeks ago, and I said, you're a Christian? Yeah. So you've been born again? What does that mean? Did he not? He said, what does that mean? I was like, you're a Christian but never been born again? We are on the streets having to explain the full gospel to people who say they've been Christians for years and years and years. What kind of preacher they've been sitting under? What kind of word they've been sitting under? What kind of doors have they opened? And, and what kind of camp are they in? And that just it boggles me. I'm like, how are you a Christian and you don't know what born again means? Are you a Christian if you don't know what born again means? Like there's got to be, when I first got saved, I knew something happened. I didn't know all the terminology, and so I tried to describe it and explain it to this young man. He had no clue. He said, well, I was baptized when I was young. Are you in church now? "Mm Mm-mm. You read the Bible? "Mm Mm-mm. No truth. No truth in him whatsoever. All he knew was just what somebody else said and their version or their variation of the truth. Somebody has crept in and deceived this young man. We were walking again in Nashville, and this was some years ago. And we walked by this bar, and a guy comes out, and he's just screaming the Lord's name in vain. He was watching uh, sports or something in there, and he just screams out the Lord's name in vain. And he's right beside me. I said, Are You a Christian? <laughs> it's the only thing I could think of in a moment. He goes, yeah. I said, why are you using the Lord's name in vain? He goes, I didn't. I said, yes, you did. And he goes, no, I didn't. I said, I just heard you. He goes, I didn't use his name in vain. I said, do you know what using the Lord's name in vain is? He goes, no. How do you know if you did it or not? How do you have a gauge if you don't know truth, if you don't know the word? We stood on the corner and talked to this young man for a long time, began to teach him and explain to him. He was sorrowful. He began. To, he was like, "What do I do now?" I'm like, "Repent! Don't do it again. Die of your flesh." Same thing they told me. Repent, and he began to repent right then. He's like, "I didn't have a clue." I'm like, "Now you do. Now you're responsible." But there was something unclean inside of him that crept in somewhere, but now it's out. Repentance is the key to getting the unclean out. Because if you live a life of repentance, even if something does sneak in, you'll be quick to get rid of it. But there's so many verses in the Bible, so many chapters, and we see it on the streets all the time. People leave them out because the Bible preaches against whatever they're going through at, the, at that moment. And they'll say, this this ain't good. Let's, let's get rid of it. Let's not be those people. Amen. Let's eat the whole word of the truth. We know truth and we live a life of repentance. Let's go back to Jude. I guess I need to go back to Jude. I guess you guys are still there. We'll go ahead and get ready to wrap this thing up. So what do we do? What do we do to guard our camp? What do we do to guard our household? What do we do if something is inside that we didn't need there, we didn't want there, that is not godly? Verse 20, But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life, and on somehow compassion, making a distinction But on others, saved with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by flesh. If you found yourself in a moment and you're like, I really don't know a lot of truth. Maybe you're in that moment and you say, I'm just scared of God. I don't know anything about God. I just know he scares me. Maybe in your situation, you're like, I don't really know God, but I don't want to go to hell. Maybe that's just a better option of the two. And if I got to choose one, I'd rather go to heaven. I feel you. I've been there. I had those feelings. I had those insecurities. I had those moments when, after I was saved, I would wake up and, can I even do this? And sometimes, Deandra, that was my prayer life to God: Can I do this? I should have been asking, "Can you do this?" But I didn't know any better. And maybe you say, I don't have a prayer life. I don't know how to have a prayer life. I want to encourage you to start somewhere. But most importantly, get in the truth. Get in the word. If you need help, come see us. We have classes that can help you. We have one coming up, uh, Life in the Spirit, starting soon. At the end of the year, we have evangelism. We'll help you. We are here for you. We want people to have truth in this camp. Amen. If you are here tonight and you're saying, I've never been born again, or maybe that word doesn't even make sense to you, maybe you're like the young man we met on the street and you're confused about the whole process. And you're ready to dive into the truth. I want to make a call to you tonight. And I want to say these altars are open. You can stand to your feet. We'll have people up here to pray with you. We'll have people here to teach you, to lead you. But if that's you tonight, you say, I've never been born again. Maybe I was baptized when I was young, but that doesn't have any depth to it. And I don't really know what that means. If you're here tonight, could you just raise your hand? We just want to pray for you. Anybody? Maybe you're here tonight and you're like the other man on the street. Using the Lord's name and fame. Maybe that's not your... maybe that's not your issue. But maybe you have issues and you don't know if they're godly or ungodly. And you say, I want to make sure I'm right. I want to get out of this confusion. I want to know truth. If that's you tonight, you know you've had some areas in your life if you know that you've allowed or or maybe you're just a victim of somebody in, and you're saying there's some areas in my life that's been tainted by some ungodliness. Can you raise your hand? We just wanna pray for you. Dear Lord, we lift up each and every soul to you that raised their hand. We thank you that you are the healer, We thank you for your truth. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that goes out and convicts. And we also thank you for that spirit that draws men in. And dear Lord, I pray tonight for a drawing. We thank you that you're not a God that pushes people away, but you welcome them in. We thank you that you're a God that wishes all men everywhere to be saved. And dear Lord, I pray over this crowd. I pray with those with their hands up and Maybe even those who didn't raise their hand. I pray for strength. I pray for peace. I pray for comfort. But most importantly, Lord, I pray for truth. I pray your truth that comes in to begin to divide the deception, the deceit from what is right, from what is righteous, from what is holy.
0: I trust that you are encouraged and inspired by the Word of God today. Once again, I want to say thank you for joining us on this podcast. It's very important that after you receive the Word of God to make sure it gets sealed in your heart. I'd like to do that with you. I'd like to pray with you that we can tuck it away in our hearts and that we let the Word of God have free course, move swiftly in us, and it would glorify God. You know, the Word of God is a seed. You can expect results out of it. You can expect fruit out of it. You can expect something to be produced. Again, I'm so thankful that you joined us. Now allow me just a moment to pray with you. Father God, we come to you in the wonderful name of Jesus the word of God himself. And I thank you for the word that has been heard. I thank you for the word that has been received. And Lord, now I ask that it gets covered up and it gets protected and locked and lodged in our hearts, Lord. And Father, I pray that you would water it. I pray that you would nurture it, that you would bring the light and revelation that it needs. And I pray that it produce good fruit in each and every heart that has received it today. I ask this in Jesus' name. I do this at the end of every service at the church. I want to do it with you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and may the Lord find great delight in you and may you find great joy in him. May the Lord provide for you. May the Lord protect you and may the Lord give you peace, peace. God bless you. Thanks for joining us.